Welcome to The Box Gathering. You can visit us at www.theboxgathering.co.uk. Here's your next episode. Okay, welcome everybody to The Box Gathering podcast. It is, cool, what is it? It's the 2nd of August. 2023 uh 6:25 was scheduled for six o'clock but i've had some technical issues uh <laughs> but now i'm back on track so like i say it's number 77 today we're going to call this one staying focused and i'll let you know why in a moment i have the pleasure of inviting on amy poo from the boxing life coach and go the distance um, and we're going to talk about all things about staying focused staying present um, and basically a, a very much a psychologically informed approach to helping your boxers. Amy, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Adam? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for coming on. Staying focused. So we we had a chat probably several weeks ago now, didn't we? Yeah. I think uh, maybe you listened to one of the podcasts um, and, and we sort of reached out, but we've known each other sort of on and off, I suppose, for, uh, for several years now. Obviously, I remember you boxing for... Um, for Islington, several bouts for Islington, and now you're an official, you were on the England Boxing Board. So give us a little bit more background about you. Right, okay. Um, so uh, I am the boxing life coach. So that's what I do currently. So a year ago, I started my own uh, private practice uh, to be a life coach and really taken the lessons and all the things I learned from boxing. And so I created a program, uh, Go The Distance, boxing and life coaching program and just really using boxing as my method and approach um, and combining the mind and body connection as well uh, to support and help people what I call it to take the you know to take the center of the ring in their life in a sense um, so basically take ownership in their life um, and I also use a lot of boxing metaphors and you know, in my sort of coaching conversations um, and also using boxing to help boxers really uh, with their mindset, which is probably sounds a bit weird because, you know, like, yeah, just using boxing as the the method might be a bit strange, but the, boxing is so good, like, as you would know, that there's so many things that we can actually use. And I think for boxing coaches, especially, um, you've got the great tool there already and then you're using the language that boxers understand to actually help them with your mindset um so yeah so that's what i do uh and yeah i was an amateur boxer for nearly seven years i boxed for Islington boxing club in london um, um obviously i've retired now and, uh, and so yeah i'm a referee and judge currently so probably people know me more um, like, well, on the boxing circuit, they know me more as the referee and the judge. Um, I was on the England Boxing Board for a while. Um, I'm currently also on the England Boxing Subcommittee, the EDI Subcommittee. Um, so just helping um, to sort of promote women in boxing, especially women officials. So I um, lead a development program for women officials. So we're going to, well, we are currently recruiting for the second cohort. Um, so yeah, so quite a big sort of champion for getting women involved, um, getting people, you know, from ethnic minority background involved as officials, really. So, yeah, that's me. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, the, the backstory there. So it always make it always interests me. So obviously a lot of boxers go into coaching, they're going to officiating and, and lots and just stay within the sport. And it's great. You know, we need to keep people in the sport in what, whatever shape or form. But 
why have you stayed in the sport? So once you've retired as an amateur boxing, what's it? What, what's been that motivation to keep you giving back to the sport? Um, it's interesting, actually, because I actually took the officials course when I was still competing. Um, so in Essington, we actually the, the club encouraged people to, you know, kind of think about what we want to do after our competing days. Um, so I did get my, well, I'm also a coach, actually, um, I'm the level two coach. So I actually got my officials uh, badge before being a coach. And this is the reason behind it is actually kind of related to why I become a life coach because of the sort of low self-belief, actually, because when I was boxing, I never really kind of truly believed that I'm going to go anywhere. Like I enjoy training. I enjoy competing. But I just thought I wasn't a really good boxer. I wasn't really get anywhere. So I kind of thought, well, I want to stay in the sport. So I need to find some way out, you know, like to continue being involved. Um, so, yeah, I was helping out at uh, club shows, really enjoyed doing the recording, looking at the judges, the referees and stuff. And I just thought that, that would be a good way. So that's how I started. It's not a very sort of grand reason, but it's just really a pure loving the sport and wanted to, you know, stay in the sport. Mm -hmm. And obviously a club like Islington, you know, they're such a busy club, you know, so many different members, you know, non-carded, loads of carded boxers, you know, they win championships every year, all this sort of thing. Great club, you know, and, and really, really well organised. So you must see a, a large kind of... Um, spectrum of different people in there you know maybe people from the city who just want to come in and get fit and they've heard the reputation of the club and then you have those really high-end competitive boxers um what interests me is is the fact that we had this conversation around staying focused and you see it um you might see it within some of your uh some of the people that train there regularly and some other people maybe outside the gym that you work with why why is this a problem because you, you see it you see coaches screaming and shouting stay focused stay switched on why is this a problem for boxers because you would have thought because it's such a you know a um you know a, a really tough completely end of the spectrum sort of um sport that people should be automatically switched on because someone's trying to beat hell into you so why are boxers not switched on why are they not focused yeah it's really interesting what you just said actually because i don't know whether paradox is the right word but it's actually a bit ironic because boxing is used as a tool to increase or develop people's focus because it's a great sport for doing that exactly like what you said you know if you're not focused you get hit in the face for example or um, or even the sort of short period kind of like the two minute three minute round and you have the one minute break it's actually that short period of time is a really good time for people to kind of like develop that focus and being able to concentrate but then obviously being a boxer, you need to focus to get into the ring. Um, I think there are different, like, different factors for being not focused. And there are external factors and there are also internal factors. And I would actually say probably internal factors slightly way higher than external factors. So when I talk about inter internal factors is, you know, maybe there's something going on in their lives. So they're not very... Yeah, they're not, you know, they're not in a good uh, mental state or maybe they suffer from anxieties, for example, or they have very low self-esteem and that's why they're in the club. 
or like for for example myself like very sort of low self-belief in boxing or whatever uh so yeah so i think probably a lot of like the distraction can be kind of self-inflicted in a way okay so so the external one so it's the internal is a kind of lack of self-belief things like that more sort of like i suppose almost like who they are in yeah. some in some respects or who they think they are yeah. uh whereas the external thing um would be more along the lines of something that might be happening in the gym a conversation happening in the gym or um someone else is sparring when you want to be sparring and not getting your it, it, would that be would that be right in saying more the yeah. external things yeah um i think like so if we put it in like a competition set up um mm-hmm. noise you know the noise from the crowd or okay. even supporters you know even the op- opponent supporters were his or her own opponents you know that sort of like external pressure like piling on on the person on the boxer so those kind of things then could all be distractions so it's really about boxers identifying that well you know what's going on here and then being able to help themselves to well calm down in a way and kind of like come back to themselves and to come back within themselves in the body really okay so kind of like centering back to what they need to be focusing on okay so so you mentioned there that the boxers need to be able to kind of recognize those points when their minds strain or they're paying attention to the wrong things um so what about the coaches then so how would a coach then identify whether when a boxer they feel is not hasn't got their mind where it needs to be they're not focused so I think one telling sign is that they're not actually doing what you ask them to do, you know, like in sparring or in about, for example, you know, whatever instructions that you're shouting at them or giving to them uh, between rounds and their face is probably completely blank. And I think you can sometimes tell like from their eyes. I mean, like as a referee, for example, body language is always what I look for. Looking at their eyes, that's another telling sign that they're just they're physically there but you know like you can tell their mind is somewhere else that they're not there they're not really taking in the instructions that you're giving them um and you know and like in training so for example in gyms they're probably slightly out of characters you know like they're um usually they do certain things and really well and then all of a sudden they're probably like you can tell that they're not probably emotionally very stable or they're quite frustrated um and that's you know those are signs that something is bothering them mm-hmm. okay so how i mean we always say that it's a, a good coach is someone almost that can make themselves redundant they're able to pass on that information and knowledge so that someone becomes really autonomous and is able to go some some is up with myself now and they can actually make the change themselves because that's what the sport asks of us right mm-hmm. um so how do we how do we pass that over then so how do i then if you're my coach amy how do you then say adam i've noticed xyz so for the future i'm more self-reliant and able to spot when my mind is strained and i'm just not turned up today i would say being able to stay focused is actually a skill and it actually takes practice so it's not something that it's like a switch that you can just go from being distracted and then focused straight away it's actually something that we need to build up and we need to practice and be used to right this is the feeling this is the state that's 
when I'm focused. Mm-hmm. And that awareness is a very important piece to start with, you know, being self-aware that, right, okay, I'm starting, my mind starting wandering off. Um, one thing that, um, one sign for people to be aware of um, their mind not being focused is probably hearing their own inner voice. So, you know, you start to have that chatter in your head and then saying things, and then that's probably when that your mind is elsewhere, right? And then you're thinking about, oh, what am I going to do after dinner or like after training, what I'm gonna have for dinner or, you know, like stuff like that. If you're in training as a coach, you probably want them to be there in the gym doing what they're asked to do, right? So as a boxer, if they start to think about, oh, you know, something happened at work today, or um, oh, that something happened or will happen after they get home, then obviously they know that their mind is not there and then they're not going to have a very productive and good session in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, before before we chat, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting around certain things that do happen. Um, and I remember this being said to me, and I've said this umpteen times to my boxers, if I see that they are switched off, you know, and their mind is straying or the body language is poor, they're not, you know, up for it, whatever that looks like, you know, you shout the word focus and expect that the boxer understands exactly what that looks like, what that feels like, how to bring that to life. But in fact, how much have we really done to um, for them to know what focus actually is? And I suppose on the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, the, the one that I think most coaches will latch onto right now when you shout out, relax. Yeah. You know, you're screaming and shouting the word relax. And then, you know, what do you expect your boxer to do? Drop their shoulder, you know, drop their shoulders, drop the hand, shake it off, you know, suddenly turn into this kind of loosey goosey where they're able to box again. Um, it just doesn't happen, does it? So, you know, we have these kind of trigger words, but we don't really know how to live them out. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think if we put it in the boxing terms, right? Like if you never taught your boxer how to box on the inside and during a bout, you shout to them, it's like, go to the body, box on the inside. If you never taught them how to do it, it doesn't make sense. Like that is empty words, right? So if you never teach them, if you never taught them how to throw a proper straight jab and you keep going like, just down the, you know, straight down the pipe, like jab, jab, and it doesn't mean anything to them, you know? So what I would say is that as a coach, incorporate that, you know, how to actually stay focused. What are the tools they can use during training, during the bow, during the one minute break. So when you shall focus or when you shall relax, it actually means something to them and they actually know what to do in that moment. Okay, so so let's delve into that a little bit more then. So how can we do that? So how can you help me with those tools then? So Adam, you're not focused again. My mind's all over the place, not performing. Body language is all over the gaff, right? What sort of things are we working on to make sure that I have a more consistent focus? How do we do it? So one key thing is that when our mind, when we're not focused, we're not in the present, right? So one very simple exercise, and you probably hear it in a lot of places, is breathing but not just our normal breathing, it's actually more like deep belly breathing, right? So they're different, it's actually kind of a mindfulness practices. You know, there are different ways to do mindfulness um, and breathing, deep belly breathing is one of them. Really simple, there are different variations. One simple one is called box breathing. 
So it's four seconds in, and you for you hold for four seconds, and then four seconds out, and then you hold four seconds. So you breathe in, two, three, four, and then hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four, and then hold, two, three, four. So it's called box breathing. And straight away, because you have to focus on the breathing, your mind and you've started to come back to your body. So that's a very simple way to do it. So for example, during that one minute break, for example, in a bout, probably, obviously different coaches got different approach. Probably even before you give any instructions, you take the gumshoe out, you give in some water, and then you go, right, let's breathe together, right? So you take two or three breathing together, and then they're back, and then they're in the prison. Then you give your instructions, right? And in terms of instructions, I would say keep it simple. And I think like a lot of coaches do that anyway. You know, like when, when I was boxing, my coaches always just say, I would just keep it simple, you know, like do your jab, do your backhand, just like straight punches, like don't overthink it. And I think at those kind of moments when their mind is already over the place and you're finding to bring them back, you don't want to overwhelm them like with loads of other information, right? So keep it simple, just one or two instructions and say, right, this is what I need you to do in the second round and then send them off. Um, Another one um, probably is more like sort of during the bout. And again, this is probably something that as a coach that you incorporate and then you implement during the trainings in the gym. So what I love about boxing is that there's so many connections with the body, right? Like we use our body and those kind of connections actually connect to our mind. So for example, planting your feet, right? So when we throw a punch, we can start moving around on our toes in the ring, but when we want to throw a punch, like a jab, a backhand, we need to plant our feet, right? That's how you generate the power. But that planting our feet is actually a good technique to come back to the prison, to come back to our body. And um, in psychology term, it's like to drop anchor. Um, so dropping anchor, meaning that whatever feeling that you have, fine, just let them be, like recognize that, right? Okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm probably not very focused at the moment because I'm really nervous. That's fine. But you plan your feet so you actually, you connect with your body. So you start feeling your feet on the canvas or on the ground or whatever. And then you engage intentionally in the activities that you're doing. So that's drop anchor and then plan your feet. It's such, for me, it's such a great term from boxing and just to, you know, help people to bring back um, within their body. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've heard um, I've heard this almost been called learner empathy, where you actually uh, allow the boxer to uh, come up with their own kind of tag for, yeah. uh, for this. So, you know, there, so I remember years ago, and I, th I think I've mentioned this before in one of the, the, the episodes, we had a boxer called Lee Jenkins, good middleweight lad, lost in the um, ABA semifinals in the end. Mm. Um, but we had certain cue words for him or anchor words for him. And one of his strengths was, was that he was very aggressive. He was aggressive and he had an engine like no one. He could just go through the gears and keep, you know, for three threes, he'd be on you. And if you if you weren't fit, he'd be on you. you know, you'd have to be a superb boxer to beat him. And he ended up getting beat by Jordan Reynolds in the end, um, who obviously is a, is, is a great boxer. But um, we used something called relentless. 
Okay. So for him to be relentless, and we, we talked about what that kind of looks like, what it felt like, and he, he said like, well, it meant pressure, it meant keeping my head low, rolling my head, throwing hooks to the body, coming up to the head, spinning around the corners, cutting the ring off. So we had kind of a bit of a picture for him. Um, so when we when we said that, you kind of knew exactly what it was. It was a bit of like a Pavlovian thing. We just went bang and straight into it. Do do you use that sort of approach? You know, kind of like personalised wording. For, for people that you work with and boxers you work with? Um, I think it's really depending on the person because mm -hmm. it's a personal choice, right? Sometimes that some words were something that people that would choose for themselves and it means something to them. Um, but sometimes that, like for me, I try to come up with a word when mm -hmm. I was, he never worked for me because <laughs> I, I think right. at the time I just like, not really, it just didn't click for me. Um, so I think, personal choice but I think the key here is really that everyone is different and I think what you did with your boxer was great because you actually talked about it right you actually talked about what that word means what it looks like so you kind of almost help him with some kind of visualization so he can see in about when he hears this word this is what he's going to do so he's already kind of rehearsed like having some kind of rehearsal in his head that he's going to do. So I think visualization is quite important as well, but at least you painted a picture with him and it means something to him. Okay. So I think that's, yeah, that's the key, you know, that's the key, isn't it? I think everybody knows, every boxing coach and boxer knows that the majority of this is in the head, right? And yeah. we can't, we can, of course, we can't put a percent on it. Yeah. It's in the head, it's in the head. Get the head right, the body follows, and the body follows the head. Like all that kind of stuff, it's all cyclical. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're not really sort of doing too much about it, are we? And um, I think a lot of people might call it kind of, although we kind of accept that it's so important, these strategies to keep in focus, etc. a lot of people do think it's quite pink and fluffy. So when I'm hearing stuff like, um, you know, um, we, we practice our breathing, you and I know that, you know, it has a physiological uh, response, therefore it has a psychological response and we start, you know, the body and the head start working in harmony now. But it, it might be quite hard to sell that kind of thing, isn't it? You know, to sell breathing to a boxer because, you know, boxers spit and sawdust, you know, let's kill, kill, kill. It might be quite a hard one. So my question is this, have you had, ever had sort of pushback on on, on this type of, type of approach when using these sort of mental skills that maybe it's not for me because I'm a boxer? putting you on the spot here as well yeah a little bit um personally I used it for myself when I was competing for sure um the people that I have worked with because they wanted to manage whatever you know the, the problems or issues that they were going through so yeah. they buy it they buy the approach and they tried it and it worked I, I see your point like being in a gym full of different kind of characters Mm -hmm. people might not take it but I think if you as a coach if you build it in into the routine or even just you know when we're doing the warming up or when you're doing the warming down and just practice that right we're gonna breathe together right and we're going to well I think warming down is probably a good time for that because yeah. you know what well, they're warming down already anyway. And what I do with my, sometimes with my group is we take three deep breaths 
right? At the end of all the stretches or whatever. And I was like, right, breathe with me. So we kind of doing the stretch, but we physically and breathe out and in together. And that's a practice. And I always ask them, I said, well, how do you feel after the breathing? And they were like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here now, I'm back. Like, I feel good, right? And those kind of things, that little things, I really think little things add up. So if they have tried those little things during the training sessions, when they need it, it wouldn't be so unfamiliar. And, you know, then they kind of like, okay, that's what I need to do at the moment. That's the feeling I need to be in right now. Okay, yeah, I, I like that. So uh, I, I've heard this being called the broccoli burger. Um, you know, most people, especially kids, don't like broccoli. Uh, I, I actually love, love it. But then again, I love <laughs> it. But, um, but, you know, it's good for you but, and you need it in the diet. So they put it in a burger. So you're getting the broccoli in via the burger so it sounds like a very similar approach i think with some boxes if you're if, if the end of the end of the, if you sort of say right today we're just going to do mindful breathing i don't think you're going to get a lot of buying from some of them i think more it's going a little bit better that way and people might buy in a little bit more now as as the days go on but it's like no come on i, I just want the wham bam sort of stuff you know the tech the tack and the physical the mental can sort of sit on the edge a little bit um so i like how you kind of introducing it slowly so it's almost like maybe they're not really knowing that they're getting it but it's slowly been introduced into the um into your sessions your curriculum whatever you whatever you want to call it um and that way you kind of you can see the benefits from it without saying we are doing this today and people go oh and you instantly get the, the, the shutters come down over the eyes yeah no absolutely yeah. i remember like i think my probably my second bout and i remember one of the coaches obviously saw me being really nervous and told me to take deep breaths. And they said that, oh, you know, you always help me uh, to take deep breaths. And I took deep breaths and it didn't work. Like, because, you know, I didn't know what it was for, you know? So I, yeah, deep breaths. And I was like, okay, I'm still nervous. Like, what does it do? Because I never practiced that. And I didn't know what effects it should have on me, right? So, yeah, so I think that that constant, you know, just like practicing whatever combinations that you just like you start to get used to it and then your body remembers the feeling, you know, have that mm -hmm. muscle memory in a sense. Yeah, and I like, I think boxers do buy in more when they understand the physiology of it all. So mm -hmm. rather than saying we're going to breathe, you know, follow me, breathe, breathe, breathe. It's like, okay, we can understand what's actually going to happen in the body if we breathe with recovery, with, you know, quieting the mind and all these kind of bits and pieces, then I think people do buy in. But I, I think maybe a lot of the times with psychological skills, we don't often relate it to um, what's happening in the body and directly related to performance. So it just becomes, like I say, that, that little sort of pink and fluffy thing, um, which it certainly isn't. Um, I just want to touch more on um, the stuff that you do with Go The Distance now. Mm. Um, so if you tell us a little bit more, so for people who don't know about Go The Distance, give us the, the, the sort of bio about what your objectives are with that. Yeah, so um, my programme with well, Go The Distance, I have um, different themes, so I call them boxing themes for each session, and it's the both sort of physical side as well as boxing metaphors in, in a way. 
Um, so for example, one topic was rolling with the punches, right? So people that I work with, they will learn how to roll with the punches physically as a boxing skill. But at the same time, I use that as a sort of, um, sort of buy-in to sort of go into the coaching conversations, thinking about the obstacles that they have in their lives, for example, um, and how we kind of deal with those kind of obstacles. So obviously that's an example for non-boxer clients, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and for boxers, I also incorporate that physical side. I probably don't do it with them, but I ask them to do it in the gym and say, well, you know, when you're doing this, for example, when you're jabbing, thinking about, I like to use jab as kind of like setting your milestones and then reaching your goal. So, you know, you need to move your, take your feet with you when you jab. So think about that. What's your goal? Like what's going to bring you closer to your target? So when you jab, think about that. So it's really that connection. So it's almost like you're re we're kind of reinforcing from top down and bottom up. So trying to connect both. Um, so yeah, so that's really my approach. Like that, like that a lot. So yes, you, you kind of put in a, a different context on into things as well to really kind of solidify that kind of learning. Um, it's going to, yeah, in education that they call that stickability, you know, it's really going to stick in, yeah. in, in the mind. Um, yeah, so so I like that a lot. So, um, what kind of what kind of people do you work with then? What kind of clients do you get through Go the Distance? I mean, is it boxing clubs mainly? You know, do you get schools? Who are you working with? And um, so I have non-boxing clients who's mm. kind of interested in doing boxing as well. It's quite a unique kind of yeah offering, really. So they wanted to try using boxing and thinking about how it can help them with their goals in life right so usually during the first session i teach them about the boxing stance which is balance right so balance is so important in boxing so i want them to feel like what balance is like and then we talk about different areas in their lives are they in balance are they not you know do you need to adjust your foot like your right foot a little bit so that you're more balanced. So what area in life that you need to adjust that? And um, so, yeah, so that's one type of box, um, sorry, one type of clients. So the non-boxing clients. And I also um, uh, work with boxers and usually it's really to do with the mindset, right? So I kind of feel like as I had the personal experience of like not really believing in myself when I was boxing, for example, and also through boxing, I learned so much about myself. And that's probably why I'm doing this right now, right? Um, so I use kind of those experience and skills to help boxers with their mindset. And then really not simply just say, oh, be positive or, you know, believe in yourself. It's actually we dig quite deep, right? So what is going on, right? So why do you feel this way? Why are you not taking your feet with you when you're moving, you know? Um, why are you holding back? Why didn't you let your arms go? Like, let your hands go? Like, what's happening? And that really came from when I was competing. And I remember one day, one night after sparring, and my coach at the time um, was Bevis. You know Bevis Allen? Mm -hmm. and, uh, he asked me a question. And obviously, he's a great coach. And he asked me a question really got me thinking about what is going on, right? So he said, do you know that you never initiated 
attack in that spa. And I thought, I thought, what do you mean? He said, no, you just, you waited. You waited for them to attack and you counter and you never initiated the attack. And it really got me thinking for like that night and probably for the rest of the week, actually, and even now. But I kind of really sort of dug deep within myself and thought, well, why is that? And my conclusion to make my own analysis that, well, I never really took risks. You know, like I was brought up never taking risks. Everything is a risk assessment from my parents. Don't do this. Don't do that. If it's slightly dangerous, you don't do it. So I did it. Right. So obviously initiated the attack. You also create opening. Then it's dangerous. So I never did it. But the funny thing is that once I knew then I had the choice, then I can choose what I wanted to do. Right. So then I started to go, well, actually, I can go on the front foot. I don't have to like counter all the time. So when I work with boxers, that's really what we're looking at. Right. So everybody has their own boxing style. Fine. But is that style serving you? Is it actually effective? Or is it actually some of the reasons why you choose that style? Because we're as a human being, we're built to protect ourselves. Right. So, you know, we always have the choice that how to keep ourselves safe. So the boxing style is another interesting topic, you know, like why do people tend to box this way? But if they kind of go deep and kind of know the root cause of that, then it really opens up the door and opens up all the options. Then they can start going like, well, I can be flexible because it's my choice. Um, so yeah, so that's the other type of box, um, client that I have boxes. Sorry, I, went off. Like, <laughs> no, I I love that. I, so I so I'm almost seeing you sort of standing standing by the ropes, watching two people sparring, um, training, and watching you know Boxer Ray, who's one of your clients, and they're boxing in a certain way, and almost seeing that as um, a way to analyse potentially there might be not an issue, but there might be a strength, or there might be an issue as to why did it simply purely because of the tactics that they're choosing. So then you can ask questions along that. So why are you choosing to do that? Why did you choose to do that? Tell me why you, why you did this in this situation. And there's, there's probably some driving underlying reason as to why they do that. And as you were, you were mentioning, I was thinking about myself as a boxer. I mean, I'm tall, I'm 6'5". So I was, obviously, I kept myself long, long jab, right hand, try and move my feet, all that kind of stuff. But um, I think a lot of um, who I was also kind of, it wasn't just my stuff, my, my, uh, my frame. I think a lot of mine was just like try and try and be technical because I wanted everything to be perfect and precise. Mm. But was I really trying to win the fight or was I trying to win a bout? Do you know what I mean? So sometimes my coach Dave said to me, you've got to treat this like a fight sometimes. You know, I would have it. I would have it. I'd never shirk anything. But sometimes I need to stick it on him a little bit though, rather than being precise. So actually, I'm kind of liking the fact that I can see you watching this tactical tactical uh game unfold which might give you a bit more insight into their mentality am i am i sort of on the right tracks here yeah, no absolutely and it's really interesting that you mentioned about yourself like you wanted to be precise you wanted to be perfect and that's probably you in real life right like you probably i don't know you're probably a perfectionist so that you kind of bring that into the ring and you know in boxing we have a term that you know like well i people use that coaches use that on me like I often box within myself 
right? So people box within themselves. And I, for a long time, I never really understood what it meant. But I realized that, well, I never let it go, right? Because I wanted to look good. I wanted to look like I'm in control, right? Mm-hmm. And then looking good. But that didn't serve me. That wasn't effective because I'm looking good. I'm not really like, you know, like you said, I'm not winning the fight. I just want to look good. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes that there's no use. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's an interesting one as well. I, I, I mean, I've been heard, I've heard that from Craig Turner um, from Downend says, you know, you have some boxers who are all all fur coat, no knickers. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're all very flash. But um, once someone actually really kind of asks questions of you, have they got the substance uh, to, re- to really back that up? But then again, then again, Amy, on the other side of the coin, I've also heard, you know, you hear this phrase, um, fake it till you make it type thing so if you're feeling like um, you know a bag of nerves which you know I had 45 bouts and I think the first 10 I was a bag of nerves and then still a bag of nerves to the others but not such a bag of nerves um because you learn you learn to sort of um you know you do kind of learn to deal with it uh, a, a little bit more um so I suppose what's my what is my question there on that um yeah, my mind has gone straight. So the, the the irony is, this is about staying focused. So my mind's gone <laughs> off in fifteen different different tangents there. See if you can bring me back. Go on then. Yeah, shall I try to say what I think you might be trying to get to? Please so, do, because I'm miles away from it. <laughs> so you mentioned about fake it till you make it, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with that partially. Okay. Um, the reason why I agree with that partially is, yes, sometimes we do need to fake it so that we can make it, but we need to have substance behind okay. it, underneath it. So what I meant is, for example, well, positive affirmations or okay. trust or whatever. It's well, quite popular, right? Like people would just like read like different kind of quotes or mantras or something. But a lot of times, if you don't believe that within yourself, then it doesn't mean anything. It's like empty words, right? So you can add like, well, one of the things I I, uh, work with my clients, and I think I put it uh, on Instagram the other day, is keep your shape, right? We use in boxing, right? You keep your shape. Why? Because our posture means so much and it really affects how we think of ourselves, how we feel, right? So there are um, scientific research on, you know, if you fake a smile, people actually feel happier because Mm -hmm. simply that motion of faking a smile. And if you go like, oh, and then you say, oh, like you're frowning and stuff. And actually emotionally you feel sad, even though it's just you're pretending. But if you say, well, say, for example, we move like a champion, right? So you imagine yourself as, I don't know, Katie Taylor or Mike Tyson or whoever, and you want to feel like them. So you act like them using your body. That's all very well. But if what you're saying to yourself inside your head or in your heart is that, well, I'm really not very good. You know, um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm rubbish. 
that's never going to work. Mm -hmm. So I call those kind of affirmations. I think we need evidence, positive affirmations to make it work, right? So I feel like, and it can, well, it worked for me when I was training in my sort of later competition days is I actually write down, because I'm a visual learner, so I write down every day what I did in training, right? So I went for a run, I wrote it down. I spar how many rounds, I wrote it down, right? I did weights, I wrote it down. And because I can see how many things that I have done, how hard I have to train. So when I went into national um, the development semifinal, the night before, I was going through all the things that I have done, so I write. You know, I have trained really hard for this, right? And that meant something. When I tell myself I can do this, mm. then something. And then if I use my posture to help me, then it's really more powerful than just, you know, trying to fake it. But then there's no substance underneath it because mm -hmm. you're believing yourself, then it wouldn't really work. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely, I mean, I think that the fake to the make it thing might be, there might be a small 1% in the kind of, oh, he looks really confident, my opponent across the ring. So that actually puts a bit of self-doubt in me. But if that's not phasing then, then it's just em it's empty, it's empty body language, it's it's empty stuff. Like I say, it's all, you know, it's all, um, all fur coat, no knickers. Um, so actually quite funny. I wanted to add something <laughs> to what you said, like, a lot of boxers, they want to kind of like scare their opponent, right? As a referee, I always noted, I always take note of boxers who come out into the ring in the corner, banging their gloves. Mm -hmm. Because obviously they want to be like all like alpha male kind of thing, like banging sure. their gloves, like I'm strong. And you know what? Probably half of the time they get knocked out, those boxers. So... Are they faking it? They're definitely not making yeah. it. <laughs> I think there's probably a massive um, uh, spike there, you know, in their, their blood sugar and, you know, the hormone levels are going everywhere. And yeah, maybe it is just them trying to hide the nerves, you know, but then you get some people who are very quiet and, you know, they do say, watch out for the quiet ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's millions of these things. So you mentioned earlier um, something that um, really sort of piqued me interest, especially is um, affirmations. Yeah. Right? Um, in in um, in coach ed, what I was trying to to hit home in the level ones is um, it's not so much on the on the syllabus, but I try and just lean on it slightly. Is praise versus affirmations. So you know we can praise boxers all the time and say, oh you're really good at this. That was brilliant, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. But there is a time when that turns into just an you know white noise in the background. Um, so the suggestion is more along the lines of if someone does do something fantastic, then tell them why. So it's like, okay, love that right hand, brilliant rotation, brilliant rotation, great extension there. That that shot was fantastic, great extension. So they're linking the linking the result to the behaviour as to why it became that. So it's kind of really really positive on that front. So looking at it from a uh, a mental point of view, then that's not just for coaches and coach education. That's for boxers as well. So you mentioned about um, you would go and write down in, in your diary visually, you know, about your run, that you did a great run and you felt good on that stuff. I've heard, you know, I've heard confidence being likened to 
um, a wall of evidence, you know, and every brick you put in is a wall of evidence and you get confidence from evidence, not just from, you know, hoping uh, that that it happened. So um, diarising brings me back to that. So diarising, you mentioned about visual, you know, all visual, audio, kinesthetic, etc. But I think diarising is a real great way of building that that confidence wall, that evidence wall. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, again, you know, depending on how people learn, like what made them, yeah, what made them tick. So we've got visual learners, we've got more audio learners and probably more um, kinetic learners. And so I, I think people need to sort of start, just find out what work for them and then mm. do that. And I think recording in some any sort of form that work from them is really important. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you can always go back to something. Cause we, you know, there's so many information that we receive all the time and we probably don't always remember what we have done. So mm-hmm. having that record to go back, back to is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you've got to reflect on these things because uh, obviously your reflection then informs your plan, doesn't it? As a boxer. So we should always be reflecting on the session. And, and I got, again, I know the word reflection does sound a bit pink and fluffy. Well, reflect, let's reflect and hold hands and sing come by, ah, that sort of thing. But if a boxer is not reflecting on their session, then how is that going to inform their plan when they come through the door about, I need to be able to do this on the bags or this inspiring or whatever it is uh, that I need to do that. And then they're getting, they're actually controlling the session then. They have control and then they can review that session at the end knowing, well, this is what I wanted to achieve. So did it happen? Did I need to make changes at the end? Did I make changes uh, during the session? Um, and I think it gives them, again, that that wall of confidence. And if they've got that wall of confidence, it's probably come because they are focused, which brings us back to the whole point in this conversation is focus. Yeah. If I'm focused, I'm more likely to have better results um, and more evidence that I'm doing the right things. Or if it's not the right things, at least it's signposting me, even if it's wrong, it's signposting me to, well, that didn't work. So therefore, um, I can make you know, I can make those sort of changes better. Does that make sense at all? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it definitely links with being focused. You know, um, I think when we're having a chat, like we talked about being in the zone. So, mm. you know, we want boxers to be in the zone. And also we call it in a state of flow. So mm. in the state of flow, there are sort of certain sort of optimal conditions that, you know, people are in when they're in the flow, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing is that they're actually self-confident that they're, well, there's a sort of instant feedback to their action and they're confident enough and positive enough to know that whatever they do and their actions, there's an effect, right? So again, it's a great way for boxers to practice that. So, you know, you engage in your, um, you engage in your actions and then you know that you can do this and by doing that this is the effect that's the impact that you're going to make mm-hmm. and again that boosts confidence and when you see that instant feedback it helps you to really get in the zone a bit more okay so you mentioned earlier about you know the the guy banging his gloves together when they walk into the ring and you suddenly sometimes you're like okay well i'm i'm gonna keep half an eye on that because that might not be what it's you know what it says on the tin um so when do you feel like often you, I mean, do you often sort of see two boxers get in the ring and even if you don't know them and you go, do you know what? Just looking at the body language or the way they walked up, if I had to put money on it, I would say it would go that way. 
does it often confirm confirm what you're thinking? Uh, yes, yeah. Okay. And, but, yeah, and there was actually one particular bout that I can remember, and when they came in, and I, I always obviously check the, the boxes and everything, and I just looked at one corner, and I just thought, this is not, this is not going to last three rounds. I just thought, I don't know why at the time, I just thought he's going to get stopped. What was it? Was it, was it face? Was it, was it coach? What gave you that spidey sense? I think, like, thinking back, right, it was the body language, and he just looked really unsure. And he's kind of, like, looking. And obviously, everybody's nervous, right? All boxers were nervous. But it's how we manage that nerve and how we manage our emotions right but he was just really kind of fidgety and just kind of not sure and then you know shoulders kind of like hunched and then down and I just thought right I need to I definitely need to look out for him and I think I probably gave him one or two counts in the first round and I stopped him in the second round I just thought no just too too much punishment yeah and um yeah Okay, so what about the other side of the coin then? So when the boxer gets in and you're thinking, Phew, there's something about this guy who exudes winning. It's almost like, I, if I had to put my mortgage on it now, I'm going to put it <laughs> in this corner. Yeah. What sort of things are you looking at there? Yeah, and it's, I think it's almost like kind of that quiet confidence that you said, mm -hmm. watch out for the quiet ones. And it just really that they're firm on their feet their body language that they're ready you know like even when they're checking them they sometimes that uh, have a smile on their face because they're ready they're confident they know what they're doing what they're going to do mm -hmm. and yeah that the back is upright spine is like straight you know that they're just it's a ready position mm -hmm. and yeah and those kind of times i was just like yeah okay Okay, yeah, I like that. And it's got to be personal to the boxer, isn't it? It's got to, it can't feel forced and fake, um, but it's got to feel like, you know, that I think I like the thing about the spine. If the spine's upright, you're, you're bigger, you're more, uh, if you go back to those primeval sort of days, you're more of a threat to your opponent if you're bigger, you know, making yourself look more more of a threat, let's yeah. say. Okay, brilliant. So, um, okay, so how can how can people actually get in, in contact with you uh regards to uh go the distance and to work with you as a boxing life coach uh so i am on instagram as the boxing life coach i'm also on linkedin and also my website go the distance coaching.net and so yeah so they can find my information there and um my contact details and also what i offer on my website Okay, perfect. And I'll put those in the show notes as well. So if you, wherever you click, guys, whatever platform you're on, you'll be able to see those links, and you'll be able to click on on them straight away and get hold of Amy. Amy, is there anything that in, in particular that I may have missed something in this conversation that you'd like to? Because uh, I always miss bits and pieces. Anything you'd like to bring up at all um, regarding go the distance or anything you're just curious about chatting about? So what I wanted to talk about is control. So okay. people like to be in control, and a lot of times that we're not focused because we're feeling out of control right because there's so many different things you know like our brain receives like something like 11 million bits of information per second 
right, going into our brain, and our brain processes probably 50 bits per second, and still a lot, right? So obviously when we're in a boxing ring, we don't want to process all that 50 bits, right? We want to just have like a selective kind of thing that we want to focus on. So I would say that we are in tune, uh, we are naturally want to be in control. So I think it would be very helpful for boxers to really think about what's within their control and what's out of their control, right? So for example, we talked about those kind of external uh, factors or external distractions. Actually, those are the things that are completely out of our control, right? Like noises the crowds made or the, the pressure or whatever, like people, the supporters, whatever they're shouting. Those kind of things are completely out of our control. And even as a boxer, winning or losing is out of control, right? Unless that you knock out your opponent or whatever. But mainly, it's the judge's decision. So come back to ourselves and what can we control, right? I can control what I want to do, right? So I practice these things with my coach. These are the things that we talked about we're going to use in the ring, right? So those are the things, my actions are within my control. And if they can practice that, just really think about, right, these are the things that I can do, I can control. And thinking about planting their, their feet, right? So drop anchor, come back and with breathing, come back to the prison. And I think that will really help them stay focused and, you know, either during training or during the bout. Okay. So we can't be focused unless we have, unless we controlling the things that we can control, then we're focused. And then if we're focused, then we can execute. But without those things, we're not going to get to the we're not going to get to the promised land. We're not going to get the ten. Probably not. <laughs> Fantastic, Amy. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so oh, much. Thank some you. some brilliant uh, brilliant um, nuggets in there um, that everyone can use. And like you say, uh, if people want to get hold of Amy, then please do go to the the websites that are in the uh, the website and the Instagram, uh, which are in the show notes now. Amy, thanks very much. Have a great thanks evening. So much, Adam. You too. Cheers. Take care. Bye. If you liked this podcast, similar content and discussions can be found at The Box Gathering. The Box Gathering is a social initiative born out of the ashes of the first lockdown in March 2020. We provide a platform where coaches, boxers, officials and boxing enthusiasts can join together online to discuss various boxing topics. It's free to join and upgrade options offer unlimited access to all our live gatherings, campfire videos and coaching resources. Join today at www.theboxgathering.co.uk.